you might not believe the things that are trademarked. That's hot. That's hot. That's really hot. That's hot. He's a cut under my band-aid bandage. Mommy said keep it. Oh! You've got mail. And even more interesting trademark applications have been denied. Taylor Swift has tried to trademark all three of her cat names. And Harley Davidson tried to trademark the sound of a revving engine. You can trademark or try to trademark almost anything. Names, sounds, symbols, sayings. Trademarks are generally for creating a brand identity, distinguishing your product from others, or just building consumer trust. But some trademark applications are more controversial than others, and some pose serious debates about what can be owned. The story we're about to tell concerns over a decade-long debate around a single color. And the Orange are ready to pull off the upset. Wrong finish at the iron. The Orange of Syracuse. From the Intellectual Property Owners Education Foundation, this is Stroke of Genius. It's June of 2019, just before fall classes start on the campus of Syracuse University. The first football game is months away, but at a nightclub off campus, the brand new football uniforms are being unveiled. It's a new season and a new look. Syracuse football unveiling its new uniforms for the upcoming season during Orange Summer Kickoff at Turning Stone's Lava Nightclub. Created in partnership with Nike, these uniforms are both sleek, modern, and a bit of a throwback at the same time. You know, what you see here in front of us, guys, the base home uniform, the base road uniform, and this wild card that can be used in the dome, on the road, in New York, in a bowl game, etc. While featuring lighter, water-resistant design, these new uniforms also merge visual elements from uniforms past. Bold sleeve stripes from the 50s and 60s, pant stripes from uniforms before 2014, and for the glory, a reference to the last line of Syracuse University's fight song printed on the inside of the neckline. But the biggest visual change to the uniforms is that for the first time in Syracuse University history, emblazoned on the front of every jersey combination in bold font is the word orange. I will forever bleed orange. It's like a whole other culture. My name is Hannah Fachandler. She's a 1995 Syracuse University alumna and a senior art director by profession. That's sort of, you know, just in your blood once you get there and you're part of it. So, yes, we spent a lot of time at, you know, football games, basketball games, lacrosse, all in the Carrier Dome, which is pretty, you know, pretty uh, famous sports mecca. And the college sports up there, because there are no professional teams in the city. College sports got treated like professional sports. Um, you know, just that energy of even just walking in there is insane. The intensity was very high, like people tailgating. Hannah studied communications design at Syracuse with a concentration in art history. 
She's got this deep appreciation for the stories behind the visual, whatever that visual might be. Logos, colors, mascots. And then there was also this guy called the Dome Ranger who was just a fan who would always like dress up in like a white cowboy hat and then orange and blue gear and like parade around the dome with the giant Syracuse flag. He was just a fan, but he was like sanctioned to be able to be down on the floor and do that kind of stuff. And we're talking, we're talking real hardcore fans. And of course there were, there was the mascot, the orange. I'd seen this mascot before and I was always a little confused. Was the Syracuse mascot supposed to be an actual orange or? Oh yeah, he's an orange. I mean, he's supposed to be an angry piece of fruit. (laughs) Not just an orange fuzzy ball, he's supposed to be an orange. There was, and I don't know if there's any truth to this, but at some point, supposedly there were orange trees on campus. So there's always been this like association with orange, you know, dating back to the 1890s. But the orange came about in like 1980, apparently. Um, And it was just some like kid's idea because they had to get rid of the Saltine Warrior. The Saltine Warrior, Syracuse University's old mascot, had a tradition of at least 70 years on the Syracuse campus. It started as a hoax. Somebody in one of the like the university publications, I guess, uh, made up a story that... This hoax was published in a campus newspaper in October of 1931. The remains of a 16th century Onondaga chief were supposedly found during the excavations for the new women's gymnasium. And now right near sort of south of the campus is the Onondaga Nation. And the Saltine name comes from the fact that there used to be all these salt mines in Syracuse as well. Back in the day, that was one of their big industries. So he was named Big Chief Bill Orange. The Saltine Warrior mascot was well-revered. In 1951, the senior class commissioned a statue to be placed near the supposed discovery site of the chief's remains. A new song featuring the Saltine Warrior was sung in unison at every football game. A member of the Lambda Chi Alpha fraternity started wearing a Saltine Warrior costume, donning a headdress and orange face paint. And then, of course, there was a logo. I know there was sort of like the derogatory, racist-type depiction of the angry warrior, but the Saltine Warrior did last until 1978, which is when the Native American Student Association uh, finally spoke up for themselves and, you know, protested the Saltine Warrior. In 1978, the members of the Native American Student Organization staged a protest against using the Saltine Warrior as an athletic mascot. Onondaga Chief Oren Lyons, a 1958 alumnus and former Syracuse University lacrosse star, explained that the issue with the Saltine Warrior was all in the presentation. He's quoted as saying, The thing that offended me was that guy running around like a nut. That's derogatory. This is horribly racist and, you know, we feel ostracized and so on and so forth. So the school did take notice and they were actually one of the first universities to stop using Native American imagery as um, a school mascot or school logo. In the absence of a mascot, logo, identity, Syracuse was left with a blank space. 
How were they to communicate about who they were? This is the beginning of what Hannah calls Syracuse's identity crises. And it lasted for a long time. In between the saltine warrior and the orange, you know, there were, they tried out a bunch of really weird stuff. Um, A Roman gladiator, um, a troll of some sort, some kind of Superman type figure, uh, a guy in an orange tuxedo, um, and a lion and something else. And, you know. Anyway, eventually the university realized they had a problem. So they they had a contest um, to come up with a new mascot. And because their name was Syracuse Orange, um, somebody made a fuzzy orange costume. And that was sort of how it was born. Well, we're happy to tell you the rankings are out. And Otto the Orange takes the top spot for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Sports Illustrated releasing its 10 best mascots in college sports. In 2004, they announced that they would be just the orange. And to protect this identity, they submitted a trademark application for the word orange. This trademark was specific to educational and entertainment services, which included sporting events, course catalogs, its websites, and other spots where the university uses the word in connection to itself. This first filing went largely unnoticed, but in 2006, Syracuse University filed for another federal trademark for use of the word orange on clothing. At first, the trademark application went through all the standard steps of the examination process. It wasn't until August of 2010 when Syracuse's mark was published, as all trademarks are, in the Trademark Official Gazette. That's when the trouble really started. When other colleges got wind of it, well, let's just say it caused quite the stir. Universities like Tennessee moved to protect their own claim to orange. Seven colleges opposed the mark with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and at least two more made calls directly to Syracuse about the trademark application, but didn't file formal opposition. This went on for years, with oppositions filed, instituted, and dismissed. But eventually, everything pretty much worked out. The university settled things rather amicably. In April of 2013, Syracuse's trademark for use of the word orange on clothing was registered. But their journey wasn't over yet. Before the five-year mark, a trademark can be challenged on any ground that could have prevented the registration initially. After five years, it can only be canceled for a subset of these grounds. Basically, marks more than five years old can't be challenged for likelihood of confusion with, say, another brand, or, in this case, a college sports team. Once a mark is incontestable, it becomes much more difficult to invalidate the trademark. Which is why it wasn't until over five years later, in 2019, that Syracuse finally emblazoned the word orange on the front of their football jerseys. And I think it's interesting, too, to be branded just as a color, you know, like 
well, like the Clemson Tigers, they're not another thing. They're just a color. The Clemson Tigers happen to be orange because tigers are orange. You know, Syracuse is a color. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Maybe they should change their mascot to be a big orange Pantone chip. No, no, no. If somebody wanted to take our chip, our Pantone chip, and put it on a product, then it becomes our intellectual property because the Pantone chip is trademarked. That's Lori Pressman. She's the vice president of the Pantone Color Institute. Pantone colors are codes that stand for a very specific shade of blue or red or orange. Basically, Pantone is the standard language for all of the colors in the world. Larry Herbert, when they started the company back in 1963 and formalized it, was very smart in that he opened uh, offices worldwide. He thought to himself, if I'm going to make this a global language, it'd be good if I had offices around the world. So I think right away, building the foundation, understanding that maybe we all don't speak the same language, but we could all speak color, understanding that we all see color differently and express color differently and coming up with a common language that we could use to communicate our color choices helps to save time. It makes the process more efficient. It helps to connect all of us. When filing oppositions to Syracuse's trademark application for orange, Many colleges mistakenly assumed Syracuse University was trying to protect the color orange instead of the name or the brand. But the truth is, Syracuse doesn't own any trademarks on their particular Pantone color, which, in case you were wondering, for Syracuse University's sports teams, is 1665C. I think it's really interesting how sports use color to communicate because every team, for whatever their reasons are, picks a certain color. Uh... You see that many teams pick red (laughs) because we know, you know, again, it goes back to how color may influence how you feel. So red's ability to influence us physiologically to help speed up the adrenaline system, so to speak, and yet how people also perceive red. Danger, fast, passion, energy, you know, so you kind of see a lot of people going in that direction. Also the blues, the most universally accepted color. You see a lot of teams going in that direction as well. But I can't generalize and say every team picks a color based on that. I think teams hopefully pick a color based on the spirit of how they want people to see them. If you can't tell already, Lori thinks and feels in color. And Lori leads up this team of people a lot like her. People who also live and breathe and are highly focused on trends in color. These people can look at what's taking place in the environment and not only see how that color expresses itself now, but how it will influence us in the future. So they're basically color futurists. I also work with many different clients on color for product, colors they should apply to their products. So people that might be anybody from a consumer packaged goods, let's say in the beauty industry, to homewares or apparel, and color for brand visual identity. So it could be a new company who's launching and what color should I use for my branding? So I ask Lori to pretend I'm Syracuse University and I want to own this color that I've picked out, this Pantone 1665C. And I would say, I would love to help you, but I can't. Because if it's a color in our library that's open source, we would never be able to, uh, you'd have a harder time, let's just say, being able to trademark something like that. You have somebody like Tiffany's. In Tiffany's case, they had come up with their own color. We did not 
advise them on the color. We did not work with them on tweaking the color. They came to us and said, Pantone, help us standardize this color. We want to make sure that this color looks consistent no matter what different format we apply it to. This is one of Pantone's sweet spots, color standardization. Making sure that Tiffany's blue is consistent on a website, on that box, across all mediums. So we have standardized Tiffany's uh, trademark color, iconic color, let me put it that way. They then were able to trademark that color as it related to the families of business where they had a very strong position. So essentially blocking out somebody in the jewelry space, what Tiffany has done is to not just have a more unique color, which I think really helps, distinguishes you in the market, but they've enforced it by making sure that color is used consistently across every single medium. Okay, so forget that Pantone 1665C. It sounds like I'd have a hard time trademarking it. I'll just make a color, but I have no idea how to do that. I asked Lori, can you help me with that? Absolutely. So there are many people we work with like that. I'm instructing a somebody in our lab to make a color. It's not just, hey, take this orange and add a little more blue. That's not clear enough for them. It, it, think about it when you're cooking dinner. Make this chocolate cake and add a little bit more vanilla. Well, how much more vanilla? You know, how much sugar? How many eggs do I need to add? You need, you need clearer direction than that to really trying to come up with what I would say is a range, meaning could it be between this orange and this orange? So maybe this one has a little bit more red. Maybe this one is a, has a little bit more yellow. And you say, I, I think I want something in the middle. That's typically how we would do that. And I would also ask you, what do you want this color to say? Because if you go back to every color has its own unique message and meaning, how we steer it, you know, the undertone that we bring in, whether it's red or yellow or white, is going to influence what the color says. So if you get back to sports, many of the sports teams we work with would standardize to the fabric swatch because that's the color of the, that's their uniforms. And that's the most important thing. The way Lori talks about color, it doesn't make it sound silly at all that a college would identify as just a single color or have that color parade around as a mascot at a football game. In fact, she makes color sound a whole lot more important and a whole lot more worthy of cheering for than a lot of other things. To me, color is life. It tells a story. Every color I see at this point sends me a message, it tells me a story, it conveys something, it has meaning. And in the case of the Syracuse orange, color is their identity. Well, the word at least. Maybe Pantone will still be helping them create their very own orange someday. And the orange is Syracuse. It's a hard-fought identity, one that has been through much controversy and so many changes. Syracuse University feels an identity so hard-fought and won deserves a trademark, no matter the new rivalries or controversies it creates. They will forever and exclusively be the orange. What sports teams will you be rooting for this fall? Tag us on Instagram at IPO Education Foundation with a photo of you in your favorite team's colors. This episode is brought to you by Scully Scott Murphy Impressor, 
a boutique full-service IP law firm with more than 47 years of experience in patent prosecution, litigation, and counseling. Scully Scott Murphy & Presser's strategic business practices allows them to achieve a return on investment based on each client's unique business objectives and IP strategy. Maximize the value of your intellectual property assets with Scully Scott Murphy & Presser. To learn more, visit www.ssmp.com. Stroke of Genius Season 3 is produced by Goat Rodeo, a DC-based production company that empowers storytellers. Keep an ear out for us.